Hi, everyone. The Bless You Boys podcast is back, episode number three. I'm your host, Brandon Day. I'm a writer and editor at BlessYouBoys.com, which is your home for Detroit baseball on the SB Nation platform. With me, as always, my co-host, Ashley McLennan, the esteemed author, staff writer, editor of both Bless You Boys and also D-Ray's Bay, where she is slowly taking over. I'm not planning on killing anybody. Like, that seems to be the implication that I'm going to, like, take Danny out one day. Um, but no, not yet. <laughs> everybody else though was fair game apparently yeah yeah it just seemed like every every couple weeks you just keep kind of creeping up the creeping up the board there i'm just going to add myself to every masthead on sb nation and that's just where we'll be there we go just run the whole show exactly i mean we've all seen too much game of thrones you know it's hard not to want to usurp and conquer <laughs> after, after all that the urge is so strong <laughs> if sb nation was westeros then i guess i'm with cersei lannister Oh, wow. Yeah, you know, we were actually, my coworker and I today were trying to figure out what Game of Thrones character the, the Tigers were, and I was kind of thinking Barristan Selmy, like the formerly great all-timer that everyone remembers, but who is now just sort of like, he can just be like a sacrifice for to save well, others. Try, you're trying to figure out, like, who the team is <laughs> Yeah. total. Yeah, which team is the character? We were real busy at work today, as you can tell. <laughs> that's, uh, that's interesting, because I know last year... We did, uh, like, a Who Would the Tigers Be On Game of Thrones post. Oh, yeah, the individual Tigers, yeah. Yeah, we went through that, because I guess that was when they announced the Game of Thrones night would be coming. Um, so, yeah, we've definitely done a player-by-player analysis, but it's hard to to factor in who they would be this season. Yeah, somebody uh, somebody minor. <laughs> yeah, and, somebody and who does not get a lot of screen time. Somebody in very bad shape. I don't know, maybe, uh, and maybe Star Wars is more, more relevant right now, so maybe we were totally off base, I don't know. Well, yeah, get back to me and let me know. Okay. <laughs> Explain it to me in Star Wars. In Star Wars terms, I'm, I'm probably not the best to do that either. <laughs> People were spoiling me the other day with, uh, you know, like, oh, Boba Fett lives, man. I was all like, oh, I didn't need to know that. <laughs> thought the Sarlacc ate him, dude. I was 10 when that happened. Uh... Didn't change all this on me. Yeah, so there was, you know... Here we are, winter meetings, and as, as there always are, even for a team as kind of forlorn as the Tigers are right now, there's plenty of news. Uh, most of it today revolved around Michael Fulmer, who apparently the Yankees are at least interested in, were inquiring about. Um, it sounded like the Rangers were too, although the Rangers, I just can't imagine, could possibly put together a package we'd be interested in. But the, yeah. but the Yankees can. The Yankees have plenty of interesting prospects we, we'd be interested in. Yeah, the Yankees have a lot going for them, and initially today I was really uh, uneasy about the idea of even talking Fulmer trade, as I have been um, for months, where every time it comes up, I'm like, y'all are idiots, just let's not even go there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? The more I think about it, the more, like, I hated the concept of, like, trade a Fulmer to get three possible Fulmers. Yeah. But, like, honestly... If and it, it's never going to happen, but if the Yankees decide to go all in and like they really want to go for this year, which seems to be what they're doing by picking up Stanton and they're trading off some guys, clearing room. If they want to add Fulmer and they're going to give us guys like you know Glaber Torres and uh, Clint Frazier and a couple other dudes, and we throw Kinsler in in the deal and give them a two B that they can count on, I I don't hate it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's about it. Like, I, I don't hate that. I mean, I basically felt the same way you do in that 
we're not, you know, we don't have any pressure on us to, to trade Michael Fulmer. Um, you know, Michael Fulmer could get better than we've already seen. Um, he's only 24. And so if someone wants him, they have to pay, you know, pay for what we think he can be, which is, you know, pretty much a, a borderline ace caliber pitcher um, and a guy that you'll have control of for five years. So, I mean, I've kind of felt like, yeah, I don't really want to trade Michael Fulmer either. Um, you know, people will kind of say, oh, well, he's not going to be around for the rebuild anyway. Well, you don't know that. Um, we could extend yeah, we could extend him, and you, and you never know. Guys are good in, you know, we're not going to do that for the next two seasons, but year three, 2020, uh, there's a chance. Yeah. Like, depending on how things shape up, depending on the prospects that we get in other trades, I, I don't see why 2020 is impossible. Yeah. And having Fulmer still around and still under control for that, why wouldn't you take that? Like, yeah, there's your guy. Yeah, there, yeah. you know, there's your your ace. There's the the top of the rotation guy, and you hope that one of Norris or Boyd Boyd figures it out. Um, and you know, you've got four really good pitching prospects and a couple others who are who are borderline good and could work out for you. Um, you know, they they could have themselves a pretty pretty good homegrown rotation in three four years. Um, and so yeah, I don't you know I don't feel that that pressure like we have to we have to consider moving him. It's it's Glaber Torres is really the key thing, and that's why you know that that's the only reason I would even really entertain it. Um, getting a whole bunch of good like corner outfield prospects doesn't interest me. Um, you can yeah. you, you can trade for those guys. You can sign free agents. Um, those positions don't matter so much. But yeah, if you can get the shortstop of the future um, who's going to hit, which unfortunately Jose Iglesias never has. Um, then yeah, then you've got my interest there. Uh, but without Torres, you know, I'm I'm not interested. And from my perspective, like the Yankees, they don't need Michael Fulmer, but Michael Fulmer fits them so well. I mean, he is a he's a ground ball getting home run preventing son of a bitch, and he'd fit in perfectly in that little tiny ballpark. Like that's that's the guy they need. It's like Masahiro Tanaka on steroids, but not oh, steroids. <laughs> so but, like, I I don't see them anteing up Torres, and I think that's going to be the big thing. Like. Al Avila's got this stupid thing he's been saying at meetings where it's like, well, you might really like your house and like your neighbor might keep <laughs> asking you to sell your house and you say, no, my house isn't for sale. But, you know, if your neighbor asks you a dozen times, maybe you start to consider selling. And it's such a stupid analogy because you only sell that house. Like, like Cam, one of our writers said, you only sell that house if they're offering you a shitload of money. Right. And, and in this case, money isn't the, the concern. It's the prospect's return. And I, I don't see the Yankees giving up what the Tigers would want for that. And I think, honestly, the only way they go is if Torres is included. Yeah. I mean, I think Alavila meant to say that if they come back and keep offering you more and more, but he's not good at metaphors or analogies and should probably just stop using them because people are already annoyed at him enough. He's kind of really bad at talking to the press in general. Yeah, it doesn't go so well a lot of the time. He needs to not, I think, a little bit. I think he needs to just be like, we're working on stuff. We'll let you know. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Al has that, like, friendly personality, too. I can see him just getting into these situations where he's just like, eh. He's just kind of talking it up. And then, yeah, we're all just sitting here like, mm. Because he keeps saying, well, maybe it'll happen this week. Maybe it won't. And, like, maybe it'll happen this week. And maybe it won't. And all people are offering us stuff. But we're just listening. But, hey, this Yankees package is really interesting. And it's like, I would love to play poker with Alavila because he just has no fucking poker face. <laughs> like, everything yeah. is just there. It's, whatever's happening, he'll tell you. And it's ridiculous. Yeah, well, and there's like, you know, he's super chatty about things maybe he shouldn't talk about. But then, you know, 
less forthcoming about things we're actually like kind of grilling them a little bit about like the Derek Norris thing. It's like you don't get you don't get to pick and choose like when you're when you're open and forthright with everyone and, and chatting it up because we're going to come right after you. I mean, I don't, I don't really care that, you know, he said that he wants to trade Ian Kinsler this week. Everyone, you know, you can say like, all right, that's, a, you know, that's not showing a good poker face, but everyone knows, you know, everyone knows this, you know, no people, other teams aren't stupid. They know the situation we're in. Um, everyone knows Ian Kinsler has to be traded basically because he's not going to be around after next year. And um, that's just the situation, you know, you're not going to trick anybody. I don't think, you know, everybody who's kind of mad about the JD Martinez thing still, you know, thinks he, he didn't play his hand that well there. And it's like, eh, everybody, everybody knows you have to deal the guy. So you can sit there and, and wait till the last moment. Um, and maybe that would have helped, but you know, at the, you know, at the same time, it, sometimes it's better just to, to start the conversation. He doesn't have to do anything. And at least maybe that gets everyone who's potentially thinking they need a second baseman or even a third baseman thinking like, ah, here's a good, you know, short-term option. Ian Kinsler's going to come in, be the gritty veteran leader guy. And, you know, he's not going to cost you a lot of money and you know kind of what you're going to get from him. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it just kind of is what it is. You know, you're not going to get a ton for Ian Kinsler anyway. So, hopefully they can find some way to get a decent prospect or two out of someone. And then I would really love it if they would squeeze some international bonus pool money at somebody like we haven't done that yet. That it, it, it's really too yeah, bad. It hasn't seemed to be a priority for the tigers in previous trades. And I really think that that is something they want to look at. Um, especially going forward. If you want to like really milk the market for some top quality prospects, they haven't done a lot of focusing on, on the international market in previous years. And I think that, it would behoove them to start doing that more. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, obviously they didn't know that the Braves were going to have all these prospects stripped from them, but it would be a real nice time to have an extra, you know, 1.5 million sitting around in your pool that you could use. So even if, you know, even if, if you're not getting what you want in a deal, if you could just, hey, all right, but you've got to throw in 250K of your bonus pool. If you do that a couple times, there you go. Hopefully you can buy yourself, you know, a good young international prospect that way. So hopefully that's something that, yes, the Tigers will begin to focus on. Um, we haven't had, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot else as far as like what the Tigers are thinking in terms of who they're going to get. Um, Drew Smiley signed a two-year deal with the Cubs. So that idea is, is blown out of the water, um, which yeah, I'm sad about. about. Yeah, I'm a little sad about that one. Well, me too, because now we've missed Fister, we've missed Smiley. So we're like, we're pretty much SOL for getting anybody back that we've had before. Yeah. Unless my Phil Coke dreams come true. <laughs> um... I don't want anybody tweeting to me, listening to this, thinking I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Hey, so hey, folks. Annabelle Sanchez is still out there and available. We could uh, we could pick Annabelle up and give it another whirl. If we really wanted, we could also get Pelfrey back. And yeah. My wrist. Dear Lord, I know. You know the, <laughs> the one rumor of guys of a guy they were looking at today was Derek Holland, who, you know, I, I mean whatever that that wouldn't be like the worst thing in the world to sign Derek Holland to a cheap deal and just kind of see how it goes, but. I mean, I, I would honestly prefer Annabelle Sanchez if, if it wasn't for the baggage and everything. Um, Derek Holland doesn't strike anybody out. I'm just, it's sort of like, you're going to put another guy in your major league roster who doesn't have options that you can't send to the minor leagues and it's just kind of clogging the works up. I don't really know if there's much point to doing that. Yeah, I, I don't know what they're, but apparently they are still on the hunt for a starting pitcher. So I guess we'll see where that ends up when the, when things wrap up next, this weekend. Yeah. Uh, if they get somebody or if they wait, I mean, I still think Tillman has Tillman signed anywhere yet. No, Tillman is still available, and that's that was the first guy they were linked to. 
And I mean, Tillman was right up there, and we'll talk about Mike Fires. Um, he was right up there, neck and neck, with one of the guys they were looking for, along with uh, Yoshihari. Oh, yeah. Um, as a closer, whose name? Oh, my God. I'm so terrible. I can't remember his last name. I'm not even going to try without seeing it in front of me. <laughs> I'm looking it up. Hold on. Okay. But yeah, he was um, he was Japan's closer, or at least a late inning reliever in the World Baseball Classic. Um, kind of a not a hard thrower at all, but kind of a rising fastball, forkball guy. Um, pretty good forkball. Um, looked like it had a lot of deception off the fastball. So, and you know, and typically, you know, Japanese relievers have really good command. Um, you never know; that could be somebody. It would at least be something interesting uh, to get the Tigers looking into the the market for Japanese players. That Hirano. Hirano. Oh, yeah. Just for the Oryx Buffaloes or something like that in Japan. Ah, I got that right. Oryx Buffaloes. <laughs> oh, the Oryx Buffaloes, yeah, right. Uh, he's actually pretty quality. Like, his ERA um, overall is a 310. Um, but I mean, like, let's not count saves for anything, but he does have 156 career saves, um, 29 last season. Uh, and he had like a sub one whip in into 2016. Yeah, doesn't walk people too much. Yeah, you know it's it's pretty good. Like his strikeouts per nine last season were seven point four, eight point four the season before. Like he's he's pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. I wouldn't. And wait, I don't think he would cost. I was reading somewhere that it wouldn't cost bonus pool money or something like that. He's like yeah, he's thirty free agent, so yeah, I think he's thirty one or two. Okay, yeah, so yeah, so it would just be the the straight deal, I think. Yeah, so I mean that's an interesting. He's never played for an American team before, but like that's an interesting. And, and the Tigers were in on Shohei Otani, like they did do their due diligence. They pitched him. I mean, I don't know how far along they got because he were were pretty. We're pretty. We're not East Coast, but we're not West Coast by any means. Yeah. So I, I doubt they were any even in the top ten, but at least we know that they've had interest in a Japanese player, so they've like looked into that sort of thing, and this could be a pretty interesting um, opportunity for them. Yeah, and I know the Tigers have you know are trying to scout more in Asia in general. Um, they've done more in Australia as well the past few years and try to get in there. So you never know, at least, at least the idea that they had somebody that they were, that they're interested in is somewhat encouraging. And sometimes you bring a guy like that in and he, and he just doesn't really have the stuff, but when you bring him in and no one's seen him, um, you know, there's a good chance he could get off to a good start here and, and possibly be traded. I don't know. Maybe that would be something that, you know, if I was a Japanese player though, and coming over, I would probably want no, I, a no trade clause. Yeah. Being his, his, the top part. Like, I think you're right. I think if you're moving to the States, you kind of want to stay put for at least a year. Yeah. And, but I think Tillman could be interesting too. Like, I, I don't see why they wouldn't. I think you could get him pretty much the same price with Spears. Fires? Fears? Fires. I believe it's I Fires. <laughs> I hope it's Fires. Because like, we keep making fire sale jokes. Yeah, please, <laughs> please be Fires. Come on, baby, start my, start my fire. I have to change it. We didn't start the fires, but we will be starting the fire. <laughs> um, I'm so sorry, Billy Joel. I know. At least, you know, at least he would provide some headline assistance. I would appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of puns that we can have. Um, I, I'm looking forward to, like, as long as it's not, like, a dumpster fires joke. Because, like, let's just hope. Yeah, you know you know, there will be some, though, for sure. I'm, I'm ready for next yeah. So 
Yeah, so the Tigers did, you know, they did make one move since we were last on, and um, they did sign Mike Fears to a, or Fires to a one-year deal um, with the extra year attached, I believe. And, you know, I, that's that's actually a pretty good move. Um, I, I did write about that one. I, I liked that because I didn't actually think that he'd be particularly interested. Um, I didn't really kind of kind of have him on my radar as a guy who would even come here. Um, but I did forget that the Chris Bazio connection exists because the two of them work together in Milwaukee. And, yeah, I don't know. I usually do remember these things. I know the pitching coaches. You know I'm a giant geek for the pitching. So, <laughs> so somehow I whiffed on that one. But, um, you know, he's, he's a guy who, you know, could come over here. He really, um, he, you know, his strikeout-to-walk ratios have been pretty consistently good his whole career. Um, he should be able to give you 150-plus innings. And the thing that's been killing him is a lot like Anibal Sanchez is he's just kind of just falling apart as the home run surge has happened. And he just gave up a ton of dingers last year. So Yeah, it was a very Sanchez decline. Like, I noticed that when I did the original write-up on, on the Tigers looking at him. And he, it was a career high home run year for him last year, giving them up. So, but I mean, it's not something we're not used to. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think maybe being in a different stadium might help him. And I guess we'll just have to see. Yeah, and I mean, he's an interesting candidate because the Astros kind of tried to change him into. You know, they, they kind of lowered his arm slot. He had always kind of thrown really over the top, and they, they were trying to get more kind of fade on his fastball, and then they actually started having him throw a sinker more this year, and none of that seemed to work. Um, so it's possible, you know, a reunion with Chris Bazio and maybe going back to his old mechanics could could spark a little resurgence for him and make him worth, uh, worth someone's while at the deadline. Um, at least, yeah, you know, a decent shot of rebuilding his value. So... I thought that was a that was a pretty good get. Um, he was actually a better better candidate than I thought we were going to be able to land. So I'm, I was pretty pleased with that one, and we'll see if Mr. Bazio can uh, can fix him up. Yeah, I'm I'm interested because like you said we got a new pitching coach, and it's it's going to be. I mean, I don't think we're going to have a winning season, but I think it'll be interesting to watch what happens with some of these guys. Yeah, I don't think it's impossible. You know, like if. Again, I've been saying this for two years, but, you know, if Daniel Norris can figure it out and stay healthy, you've got him, you've got Fulmer, you know, you've got Ferris, maybe Zimmerman is halfway useful. Um, You might have yourself a a halfway decent pitching staff, so this team isn't just an embarrassment to go watch next year. Yeah. Because I I went to like four games down the stretch this year and they were were a damn embarrassment. (laughs) It was brutal. Yeah, and I don't want to see it be clown shoes all season next year. Like, whether or not it's going to be a plus 500 team isn't the point. Like, I just want to see a team that I love still be watchable sometimes. Yeah. Yep. And if they have to, you know, and if it's something like last year where they're like watchable until the trade deadline and then they trade a couple guys to get pieces and then kind of fall apart down the stretch and finish, you know, third or fourth to last, that's fine. And we get the pick, but I don't, I'm the same way. I don't want them to just go out there and like spend no money and tank. And I don't think they're quite going to do that. But they're also not going to do what I think a lot of us wish they would do, which is actually spend a little bit of money on short-term deals um, and be a little bit more aggressive. Um, doesn't seem like that's in the cards right now. And we're going to have to see what, what Chris Illich is like as an owner once things start to turn around. Um, so far, there's already some, some serious annoyance from certain people, at least especially. Yeah, we'll see. Like, it, it, this is a tough year to determine that, right? Like, it's it's such a bomb of a year anyway that I don't think we can use it as a gauge for whether or not they'll spend going forward. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like they're going to do the bare minimum this year to make a functional team. 
and uh, that's about all all we can hope for. Yeah, I mean, one way or the other, you've got to give the guys that we have time to play, um, time to see what they've got. You've got to give the guys in the minor leagues already the better prospects their time to grow and, and not go into kind of a rush mode with those guys or rush into trying to turn this thing around in a year and doing a bunch of stupid trades and winding up, you know, spinning your, spinning your tires for another, you know, three or four years before things even start to rebuild. So it's going to take, it's going to take patience. Um, the thing about the Glaber Torres deal is that the, the one thing the Tigers really lack in the farm still is, is like a future shortstop second baseman who looks like he's going to be a top tier hitter. So that's the one thing I would like them to continue to try to find somewhere, even if it's, you know, like a young guy who hasn't really figured it out in the majors. Maybe there's, um, maybe there's a deal like that out there for someone, um, you know, a, a buddy of mine, Mark Garage has mentioned Trevor Story a few times. Um, I don't know what it would take to get him, um, but he's, he's kind of a windmill who strikes out a ton, but he does have power and play good defense. You know, that might be something they could try to do. But yeah, at some point they've, they've got to try to fill those those middle infield positions because everything else, you know, outfielders, you know, you can you can trade for some of that stuff. You can trade for a third baseman. You can trade for relievers, but pretty hard to get anybody to give you a uh, Carlos Correa type type player. Those just don't happen every day. So hopefully someone like that is available in the draft as well, but we'll see. The other uh, the he, the other huge news, really, in, in Tigerdom this week was um, Alan Trammell and Jack Morris, the Modern Era Committee, f- finally put both of them into the Hall of Fame, which was awesome. I was uh, I was almost surprised at how how excited and happy I was about that. Yeah, it was a nice like it was a nice eighty four victory there. Like it felt really good. I, I didn't know that I would I was expecting Morris to make it, but it almost feels like they gave them the nod together um, just because of that. Like that connection so i mean i don't think they'll like they put morris in just because he was on the same team as trammel but you know that there was a symmetry of, yeah, yeah it's a nice i think almost seeing their names together on a ballot makes you feel like to vote for one you'd have to vote for the other yeah um just unfortunate that lou whitaker was not also on that ballot yeah that would have been the perfect the perfect symmetry there but so then the Tigers also announced that in August they'll be retiring uh, Morris and Tram's numbers, um, which, of course, would include Ian Kinsler's number three, um, which won't probably be an issue because he probably won't be here. Yep. Uh, but what do you think? Do you think they should retire Tram's, uh, not Tram's, but uh, Whitaker's number at the same time, even though he's not in the hall? Yeah, I would I would love to see them do that. Um, I, I remember Dan Petrie, who was, who was kind of like the number two starter on the 84 teams, I believe it was him saying that the fact that the Tigers had never retired their numbers or really celebrated, you know, Morris and Trammell or Whitaker all that all that thoroughly, apart from like the, you know, anniversary of '84 celebrations, kind of made it tough because if you know if your team doesn't sort of put you on that pedestal, that you know, in national in national terms, the perception of you might be a little bit altered by that. You know, if they've never boosted yeah. you, and the Illiches yeah. kind of have a long track record of having a weird relationship with the, the Tom Monahan Tigers. And um, so, yeah, I would, I would really like to see them do that. Um, really like to see them kind of st- stand up and say, you know, listen, Lou Whitaker is probably the best Hall of Fame candidate of these three guys. And you already put two of them in. So you've got 2019 to work this out <laughs> and make the right thing happen here. Yeah. I think it's pretty goofy that I think honestly it's insane to, to retire um, trams and not do lose at the same time. Like, yeah, that's just it, it. The Tigers have it beyond what's going on with the Hall of Fame votes. They have that power to just be like, you know what, number one's going in with number three. 
and I don't know why they're already going to have a ceremony. You don't like, is there concern that it takes away from what Tram and Morris did because they got elected and it's a celebration of them? Because I'm fairly certain if anybody asked Tram and Morris, they'd be like, hell yes, please invite Lou to this ceremony. Yeah. Guaranteed Alan Trammell would feel that way. Oh. And, and I'm pretty sure Jack Morris feels that way as well. So I don't think they'd have any problem with it. Um, I don't know. You know, we've talked a little bit about the Tigers' need for, you know, some publicity and some reasons to get people out to the stadium. So if they wanted to do those on separate occasions or something, just to lure more people down to the ballpark, whatever, whatever it takes. Yeah, to do a fucking Lou Whitaker bobblehead night. Yeah. And retire his number at the same time. Yep. Because if, you know, if someday they, they put a statue of Alan Trammell in the out, you know, out beyond the center field walls and he's, you know, Flick it, flipping a ball somewhere, and Lou Whitaker isn't the guy, the statue catching it. Like that—that's just a crime. That's a crime against the entire Tigers fan base. So, yeah, you know, it's just—it's really hard to separate those two. And, and I would really, really like it if uh, if Chris Illich kind of did what his dad didn't do and would, would promote the heck out of Lou Whitaker and make sure he gets in there. Because um, yeah, the Tigers could do quite a bit about that if they wanted to. Yeah, for him to get dropped off the original Hall of Fame ballot after a year is absolutely criminal. And for the Tigers to ignore him up to this point, basically, is just, it's, it's totally, it just flies in the face of everything that 84 team did and everything that, that Whitaker and Trammell accomplished together. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and that question will never, never leave Alan Trammell anywhere he goes because, you know, he, he's brought it up so many times that that's always been his dream is that the two of them would go in together. And he said it again the other day. Um, what was really surprised, what's funny about the two, seeing the two of them, like, kind of do this junket together and go is that jack morris who was you know one of the surliest you know cats of the of the 80s as far as like a guy who was awful to the media um particularly jennifer fry um if we want to get into that but um you know has really really changed um it sounded like i was talking to maya who runs uh the the, the minnesota twin site and she was talking about the influence harman killebrew had over jack morris once he kind of went to minnesota and and the time that they'd spent afterward and, and how Harbin Killebrew had really chilled him out and, and kind of allowed him to like let his soft side show and not have to pretend to be this like, you know, ferocious aggro yeah. guy. Yeah. And that's on display now because the, you know, the dude is just waterworks everywhere he goes, you know, oh, yeah. Trammell sitting up there with a grin on his face. Like talking about how he had to call his wife immediately. He couldn't even wait the 15 minutes until the announcement went out, you know? Yeah. And how thankful he is that it took all this time because you know, he wouldn't have appreciated it if they'd elected him, you know, sooner because, you know, he was he was still arrogant about it and hadn't really kind of gone through and thought about his career in the terms other people do and all this. So, yeah, it's been kind of fun seeing uh, seeing the two of them together. Yeah, it's been neat. It's been emotional and kind of sweet. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, it's still funny to me, too, because, uh, you know, Alan Trammell was on a plane with, like, Bruce Bochy and Brad Osmus, you know, and there's yeah. <laughs> there's that picture of them all together, you know, it's just like, oh, this is, this is weird, you know, you just forget, I think, sometimes, like, what a what an insular kind of community baseball and especially pro baseball is and, and how these guys are all traveling together and talking and they know each other and they're recommending each other for different jobs and all this kind of stuff. But that was that was kind of like a clear indication, all those dudes together headed to the winter meetings. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. 
like it's just a weird thing about you know baseball used to be kind of the sport everyone played and unfortunately it has become kind of a country club sport unfortunately in america and that's why you see like a lot of players you know player sons turn out to be good because they're getting the best instruction and those yeah. kind of things um but there's also that flip side to it which is that yeah there there is sort of a family to it all as well kind of an element Yep. So Tram and Tram and Jack will get in. Um, I, you know, I I understand. You know, people are are upset about Jack Morris getting in because of his numbers and stuff like that. And I, you know, I understand. You know, if you look through his numbers and 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 kind of break them down from a modern sabermetric perspective, you know, Jack Morris probably doesn't really belong in the Hall of Fame. But you know, times were different back then. Those guys weren't pitching to earn the stats that we think are most important today or that we know are more important than the way they thought about it. And, you know, it seems to me like, you know, just about everybody from, from Jack Morris's era really kind of regards him as a Hall of Famer and whatever. That's good enough for me. I'm happy. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. And I mean, he missed the regular ballot. This isn't like, that's what, like, this is the modern era ballot. It's not the traditional Hall of Fame. And I think people need to give it a little bit more... I think it's almost viewed through more of a romantic lens of people wanting to give give these guys a second shot. Yeah. Um, and I'd say the Tram deserved to be in on the original Hall of Fame vote, but I mean, yeah, it for didn't sure. happen. And it didn't happen after a very long number of years. So I think this is just their way of being able to correct the mistakes they think they see as being made on the regular Hall of Fame ballot. Yeah, so. kind of let you look, you know, have like the guys who were their contemporaries kind of look through it. I mean, the guys who did the voting by and large were players and coaches and stuff from from that same time period. So, yeah. you know, if they always looked at Jack Morris as, as a terrifying ace that they all were afraid to face, well, that's fine. You can put him in. No problem. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, Tram and Morris get in. Um, there isn't a whole lot, a whole lot of other Tiger news. Um but there is still plenty of other news because the winter meetings are going on and there's just been rumors flying left and right. It seems like all the relievers are getting signed. Um, yeah, Brandon Morrow went to the Cubs. Yeah. Pat Neshek, uh, I think, went to the signed. Phillies. Went to the Phillies, yeah. Um, there's a lot going on. Like, yeah, the Cubs also signed Smiley. They've been rumored to be after Alex Cobb. Um, so they're really looking, I, they're obviously not thinking of re-signing Arietta, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Um, it's too much cost to that. And I can see why they're going and seeking outside, um, pitchers to fill in the blanks there. Yeah. And Jake Arietta is just such a, you know, he kind of came out of the blue and, you know, it's still, it's just, I don't know. It's just hard for me to trust Jake Arietta long-term and, you know, he's out there floating, you know, a $200 million dollar deal that he wants and, and everybody you know everybody's floating whatever deal they want and obviously he's not going to get that but i just i just do not view jake arietta that way he's a you know very good pitcher the last couple years but um I, you know i have a hard time trusting with him already throwing like 90 91 that he's going to yeah. hold up for a couple more years and still be a dominant dominant pitcher is the, the bora client that he sent binders out about right mm-hmm yeah, I loved that today coming out that apparently Scott Boras, agent extraordinaire, <laughs> man who netted Max Scherzer his insane contract with the Nationals, um, has been has put together like a seventy plus page binder detailing all of the like pros and positives of signing Jake Arrieta. Wow! He has, like sent this around to to ownership of all these teams. <laughs> 
So he's really trying to, like, grease the wheels for a big deal for Arietta. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, Scott Boris, you know, this this is his time right now. You know, he's he's like some kind of harbinger of Christmas a little bit, but for, for players. <laughs> yeah, right. He's like, Merry Christmas. I'm going to get you so much money. Yep. There's a lot of, uh, you know, there seems to be an awful lot of, like, binder on paper presentations being given out <laughs> left and right because uh, you know we were talking about this before we got on that uh you know the, the reds kind of released their whole presentation that they made to show Otani, which was you know as i read through it you know kind of sad because it just seemed like it was so earnest and you know they were trying so hard to impress him and and be the team and, and they were never never the team they were never going to be the team you know they got like joey Votto, you know kind of hamming it up and trying to speak for the team and yeah i you know it just—it's odd to me to think of all these teams like having to put together all these presentations. It's—it's it's nice, I think, almost in a way to like see them, kind of have to be the pursuer and have to have to sell themselves rather than the the player always having to be the one to do that. Yeah. And I liked and, and I liked where you went with that. Yeah. Yeah, I had a I had an idea, and I think that this idea is something teams should pick up. So it's free to use front offices. Um, I think people sh- these teams should use these pitches that they made to Otani and kind of tweak them ever so slightly and use them as a marketing tool to lure in new fans or to reaffirm themselves to existing fans. Because basically they were just trying to sell themselves as like the place to go. So I, I want to see all those videos. I want to know why should I be a Phillies fan? Why should I be uh, a Reds fan? Why should I be any of these things? Because I, I would like to know what their big selling points are. I think it's an interesting exercise. Yeah, I think it's, you know, there's a lot of insight to gain, I think, from seeing how a team looks at itself, how it would sell, like, its city, um, you know, kind of the cultural opportunities and, you know, whatever, the restaurants, the nightlife, all, the, all those sorts of things, the schools, um, you know, you're putting together such a such a comprehensive package that, you know, you can't help but kind of, kind of reveal the heart of your franchise and how you they see your place do, there. Like, team up with, like, local tourism and and just push that like are you coming to see the tigers play here's all the things that you may not know about detroit there's then, here's all the reasons that beyond the team to actually interest you to come in yeah <laughs> yeah detroit has a ton to offer so i think they could benefit from it in a huge way yeah like they're going through this amazing renaissance that i don't think anybody knows about i think detroit's still the butt of so many jokes and I don't think that they deserve to be at this point, given everything that that's the city's going through. Yeah, I mean it's it's unrecognizable downtown. Um, it's it, I mean it's just been such a just a ridiculously incredible and and kind of comprehensive renovation over the past you know seven eight nine years. Um, you know it's it's recognizable down there, but the feeling down there is is so different, and it's also and it still retains that sort of like Detroit edge. There is still a little bit of an edge if you get away from like the pure tourist areas. Um, and obviously in a lot of the neighborhoods, things haven't changed at all, um, which is another, a whole nother issue, the gentrification that's gone on and, and stuff and is, and is probably just inevitable at this point. But um, there's, there's quite a bit to like about Detroit. Yeah. At this point um, I could see for, for an outside player. Um, but I'm always, you know, I'm always interested in the front offices and, and, you know, kind of what goes on and how they, how they promote themselves um, and, and, yeah. and just kind of what they, you know, what they would say their vision is for the future and stuff. So, yeah, I think that could be re- really interesting. Um, one of the things I really kind of wanted the Tigers to do when they were interviewing all these managerial candidates was kind of take that opportunity to sort of 
you know, take, get themselves a wide sample from inside all these other front offices, like, you know, all these people who've coached for the Dodgers or, you know, wherever and, and bring them all in and kind of like, you know, you know, tell us something, you know, that, that you're going to do here. That's that, you know, that we've never seen before, you know, wow us. Um, and you know, there's an inf- information gathering aspect to anything um, like that, any kind of kind of job search or managerial search in that case. And um, yeah. Yeah. I think the whole thing is fascinating. Yeah, me too. Cause you know, they try to be secretive and, you know, I think sometimes to the average fan, like it seems like there must be that so much that goes on behind the scenes and there's all this knowledge. And then other times they can be so kind of transparently obvious and and, and petty even in, in a lot of cases. And you, know, you just kind of, yeah, you just kind of wonder like what goes on there, you know? <laughs> the Marlins. Yeah. <laughs> the Marlins. <laughs> Jeter. Jump throw. Oh, uh, goes wide at first base into the crowd. Yeah. That's uh that's been a fiasco down there. Oh my God. The Marlins is, it's like, Jeter is trying to out Loria Loria somehow. And I know it's a management group and I know we put it all on Jeter because he's like the famous face. Yeah. The, the purchasing interest in the Marlins, but like they're putting it at him. So why not? <laughs> he has done so far has led me to believe that he's like an innocent participant in the douchebaggery that's going on down there. Yeah. Like the, the, the like you will talk to Stanton when there's anything to say, like the way it sounds like they treated that trade and the way Stanton like responded after moving to the Yankees, basically calling the situation a circus yeah, and like unprofessional. And I don't think that's entirely directed at Loria. I think that there's got to be a lot of that that's falling on the new group too, because I mean, he signed a giant contract under Loria and now you've got this new team in there going, well, fuck it. Let's get rid of this guy. Yeah. If he doesn't want to leave, we'll get rid of everybody else. Yeah. And, you know, and then, you know, just, just kind of from the fundamentals, like you buy this team and then the very first thing, you know, that comes out is that they can't afford this team. They've got to, you know, they've got to slash payroll. They've got to start paying back the loans that they got. It's like, why did you, you know, what are you doing? Like what, what no, kind of business person like pays? Exactly. You know, there were other, you know, there are plenty of other actually people who are interested in owning a, a major league baseball franchise. Um, I mean, it, it's a, it's a freaking printing press for money. Like you can't, you can't lose. Jeter caused them to be like, Oh, okay, let's give it to these guys. Yeah. Because I think ultimately it's proven that it might not have been a great choice. And yeah, and then you also, you know, just in the reporting that came out and some of the contradictory stuff that came out, you could you could just so easily tell who was calling who and pushing their side of the story. I mean, when when reports are coming out that, you know, Giancarlo Stanton, like they gave Giancarlo Stanton an, an ultimatum, like, take this deal or you're going to be a Marlin for life, which is a hilarious thing to threaten someone with in the first place. But second of all, he has opt-outs. Like, do you not even, like, who in this equation doesn't understand Giancarlo Stanton's, you know, like, the basics of his contract? Like, I don't I don't understand what's going on. Apparently somebody who has forgotten what it looks like to read a baseball contract. I don't know. I don't know if it's the, I don't, I mean, I don't know if sometimes if it's the reporting or if it's, you know, if it's PR people for the Marlins, like, trying to put these things out surreptitiously or if the front office now is just really, really that dumb. I don't know. It's a mystery. Yeah. It's hilarious in a way because it's not like as much as we can point and laugh at our own front office, at least it's not ours. I know. Thank you. Thank you, Marlins and Mets, for, for being even more shamefully inept than the Tigers have ever been. <laughs> at least since the Randy Smith days. I appreciate it. We need that right now. So yeah, just a just a hearty ha ha to the yeah, to the Marlins. 
For now. <laughs> for now. They may be laughing at us. I know. And really, I don't want to laugh at them, because honestly, I feel bad for that fan base, man. I mean, like, the Jose Fernandez thing, like, they've just, they've been through too much. It's it's just a circus down there, and uh, how about we just move those guys back to Montreal and start up the yeah, Expos again? Let's move them back. I, as a Canadian, heartily approve. Yeah, I would, I would love to see that. That'd be great. But from Giancarlo Stanton's perspective, he has escaped the the hot and humid clutches of the Miami Marlins and uh, and fled to the Big Apple, where he will now, you know, form like the most you know powerful battery of sluggers the game has maybe ever seen with uh, Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez in there. Um, and that's you know no, nobody likes seeing the Yankees be good again, but it somehow, <laughs> but it somehow feels so right that they're the evil empire, you know, as everyone's been kind of referring to this week. You know, like the memes coming out with Giancarlo Stanton, his head on Darth Vader's shoulders, walking through the command ship, like it's just it's glorious. Like you know, I, I mean, you better have some helmets in that stadium too. I swear to God, there's going to be some 120 mile per hour rockets just flying at people all over the place in there. Yeah, I think the first day you see, like, there, it's going to happen. There will be, like, a back-to-back-to-back home run day. Like, I mean, we've seen it happen at Tiger Stadium. So, I mean, there's no reason it won't happen in New Yankee Stadium. But, man, it's just going to be all you see is just this clip show, back-to-back-to-back home runs. Yep. And it's going to be majestic, and I'll hate it. I know. If there's, you know, if anyone's ever going to gonna force a net to be put up in the outfield, it's going to be those guys, too. You know, we've been on about the nets, you know, protecting the fans behind home plate. They yeah. might they might need them out there, too, because, man, Stanton hit some lasers. Those things are not lofted, and they are not coming down soft. Yeah, it'll be fun for, fun for the Yankees fans. Yeah, it's good. It's so much fun for anybody watching who is not a Yankees fan. Yeah, I mean, if, if we were going to be competitive, I, w- I would hate it. But as it stands, I'm, I kind of enjoy watching everyone kind of, you know, kind of shiver and wet themselves over in the AL East. Um, you know, I'm sure Dave Dabrowski is just, just making, you know, frenzied phone calls left and right. Um, there have already been rumors about Josh Donaldson and Manny Machado being traded from Baltimore and Toronto um, as those teams kind of have to assess, like, ah, do, we have, do we have much of a shot with Boston and New York in this division at this point? Should we cash yeah, these chips even, in? Like, the Rays aren't looking to add anything massive either. Maybe a little base speed. Probably there's a possibility of moving some pitching. Um, but they know. They know that they're not going to be number one in that division next year. Yeah, probably not. Although, you know, you just never know because the Rays can pitch. And they've always kind of kind of known that. Like, if, if they can pitch, you know, you can kind of hang with anybody. And they do have a lot of good pitching. Um, we'll have to see if they decide. I assume Alex Colomay is probably going to get going to get dealt their yeah. closer. Colomay seems to be a foregone conclusion. Archer's on the block, but I don't see it happening unless it's for something really good. Um, cause he's still under club control for a while. And I don't think moving him makes much sense if they're not going into a rebuild. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll see. But like they have a new pitching coach this year. We talked about that in episode one. Um, yeah, the guy from the, Durham, was that right? Yeah. Snyder from Durham. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. I think it'll be interesting because their pitching coach obviously, um, has moved on to the Cubs. Um, so yeah. Yep. The, the AL East, it's going to be a monster show. It is. It's yeah, it's kind of kind of going to be that you know, 10-year throwback to the the wars of the the early aughts. 
So that'll be interesting. I'm really interested to see how Dave Dombrowski responds to this because Dave Dombrowski's response to almost everything is to turn to his owner and say, "Can I spend 25 million more dollars per year?" Um, but they're, you know, they're pretty close to the salary cap. So if they decided to do that, um, you know, they're going to they're going to be paying the tax some more. And it seems like teams are really, really loath to pay the tax right now. But um, we'll just have to see. I mean, after all the the farm pieces Dombrowski's traded away. Um, you know, they still find themselves in need of a first baseman somehow and a power bat and probably another reliever, probably. But apparently J.D. Martinez is at winter meetings right now, um, most likely to woo uh, the Red Sox. Yeah. Uh, just to be like, hey, guys, hey, have you considered J.D. Martinez? And, you know, flex the guns and yep. get himself a nice big deal. How would you guys feel about adding these beach balls to your stadium? Yeah. Maybe he can run some sprints, you know, like, uh, yeah, you know, I'm going to be able to play right field. batting practice, so he's ready. He knows. Yeah, that was nice. Just because, you know, the sound of J.D. Martinez crushing a dinger is is a pretty yeah. special sound. He's looking good. So it's it's nice to see that not much has changed and that he's in good shape to, to kind of go big next season. And I, I want that for him because we're not going to resign him to the Tigers. It would make no sense financially or for what the team is doing or for his career. So I, I, I want to see him go out there and get himself, you know, a nine-figure contract and, <laughs> and just roll in the cash. Yep, me too. Um, you know, and if he stayed in Arizona, if they decided to pay up and kind of accept that Goldie's probably going to walk away a year from now, I could see that too because, uh, yeah, you know, him and somehow he and a Diamondbacks uniform kind of look right. And the park definitely fit him because it was just a just a tide of dingers the entire time he was there. So we'll see. Maybe they can uh, escape Zach Granke's contract and figure figure some other way. An interesting news break um, from Jeff Passan just now. Apparently, Shohei Otani has damaged ulnar collateral ligament in his pitching elbow. Oh no! According to a physical obtained by Yahoo Sports. Oh, are you kidding me? I am not kidding you. That is enormous. And somewhere in, in Seattle, they're just going, whoo. Oh. Oh, my God. I don't even know what that means. Oh, that's interesting. You know, I've always wondered if Masahiro Tanaka, maybe somebody out there knows this, but, you know, he, he kind of he had the tear and he never, never had the surgery and just kind of rehabbed it. I wonder if that was the same situation where he kind of came over with it and has just sort of been able to to work yeah. it out. And I mean, he's obviously been pitching fine. And I think I read something earlier today that he'd undergone some sort of a preventative procedure recently. And so, I mean, there's nothing saying that couldn't be related to this and it's already taken care of itself. Yeah. They can do the platelet. The platelet injections seem to have worked for some guys. Oh, that's uh, crazy though. Yeah. No, it seems, and I don't want to say it seems dishonest, but it, I mean, everything is physical pending anyway, always. So I'm just I'm interested in seeing how this develops. Had does, does he say if the deal has been signed yet, or can they still escape that? I wonder. Not that they not that they would. I mean, it's so cheap. Like whatever, you know, take a year, <laughs> come yeah, back. It's not a huge. I think they were one of the minimum teams, so it's not like they they paid out the ass for it. But I, it doesn't say. So I'm interested. Yeah, that that is interesting because it kind of goes to you know whether or not. You know, if they don't have him, you know, like there's a 
you know, there's a borderline chance they could make the playoffs. Like, I don't see them catching the Astros, but, you know, they, they could win a wild card. Maybe they trade for Kinsler. Yeah, Kinsler makes good sense there. So, I mean, they could still make a good lineup for themselves without Otani, but I, I don't certainly don't think this means that he's done for the whole season. It's just that he has ligament damage. Yeah. Yeah, and you might just kind of, you know, at a certain point, it's like, do you want to give him the year off or do you just have him pitch until it breaks, you know, <laughs> which is which is kind of rough medicine, but you can, you kind of have to decide, like, the, the timing of it and everything. And, of course, he could still hit, you know. He could yeah. hit and, you know, maybe maybe you pitch him a little less. And... We'll see. I, I want to ask Rob what this means. Yeah, that's right. We need our doctor. We need Dr. Rob to... Dr. Rob to just... tell us exactly what an ulnar collateral ligament damage situation means yeah i do well you know let's see it does say november 28th they they reported oh well you know it's a first degree sprain of his ucl so you know yeah there's a tear but yeah it could be it might not be that bad like i mean so much damage gets done to pitchers and they're all broken a little bit yeah so I guess we'll see if this this shapes into anything or if it's just like, cool it, guys. He just needs to have like a super minor procedure. Yeah. Like we're still talking about training Fulmer and he just had elbow surgery. So. Yeah, true. Although he didn't really have any damage, but yeah, but yeah. yeah it's amazing what they can do, right? Yeah, it really is. I mean, it, it, we are at a point where like having Tommy John is just like, you know, it's like a year, a year of vacation. Although the rehab, I mean, the rehab is brutal. <laughs> it's not a vacation for the player, but. It's like, eh, take a year, and you figure they'll probably be back pretty close to good as new. Exactly. So, I mean, some guys have had two Tommy John surgeries and still come back to play. I mean, ugh, your poor elbow. Yeah. But it can happen. Yeah, anybody who's interested in that, I, I mean, I would really recommend reading Jeff Passan, who just put that report out for Yahoo Sports, but his book, The Arm, was uh, was really fascinating. And the story of um, Daniel Hudson, um, who pitched for the Diamondbacks and eventually converted to relief, but went through, like, consecutive Tommy John surgeries and, you know, the rehab and, like, you know, hearing his wife talk about what it was like to go through that. I mean, it's, it is really, really grueling, and it's become so routine that we kind of just kind of shake it off like, ah, he'll be back in a year, but... Um, but it is, it is a tough thing to go through. Um, and it kind of shows because a lot of times a guy will go through, you know, the Tommy John rehab and come back kind of bigger and stronger and in better shape than he ever was before because so much is required of yeah. you to, to get that thing back in 100%. So oh, that's interesting, though. Yeah, like uh, the, the show Hayotani stuff just, just doesn't end. Did you watch any of the press conference with him? No, I didn't. There wasn't. I watched a little bit of it. There wasn't really a whole lot to it. You know, it's he's, he's kind of just just saying what you'd expect at this point, which is probably the right move. Just chill out and let the bat and gloves arm speak for yeah, itself. You don't want to hype yourself. I mean, he hyped himself enough to get all the teams vying for him. I think now the point is to lay low until you can prove yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's the right thing to do. I mean, the shirts are out. I'm sure the gear is selling like crazy, but until we see you play for him, yeah, it's, there's just not, not a whole lot else to say about it. No. Yep. Yeah, that is fascinating. I, I'm just so like kind of like stunned by that. Like, yeah, it's not often we get to break news on a podcast, and it, it won't be new by tomorrow. But it's very interesting nonetheless. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're getting our our live reactions at least. Yeah. Yeah. So let's see. Um, I'm just going to kind of run over to the site and see if there's anything else of note that should be talked about. I mean, you know, the Tigers are still talking about Kinsler, obviously. Um, you know, they talked about uh, extending Nick Castellanos. Yep, that's true, and which I have recommended in the past, um, but it sounds like he turned him down. Yeah, he apparently decided to go year by year. 
Um, which I think is kind of similar to what happened with Martinez. Like they went to him with an offer and he's like, no, thanks. Um, so I guess, I mean, yeah, I, I'm not going to talk about Nick Castellanos too much because <laughs> you're going to get super, super sick of my opinions of it. But I, I think if you could get him cheap and keep him under club control for a long time, um, it's smart. And I don't know how smart it is for him to have not taken it and wait things out. Because I don't know that he's going to get much better is the issue. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's it's really an open question. Like, I think I think there's a really, really high chance that, that the bat gets a little better and he becomes like a 30 home run guy who hits 280, you know, kind of walks at like a league average level, like a very, very good hitter, not an elite hitter, but a very good one. But he, he may not have a position. Um, and that's why I kind of wanted the Tigers to try and do this and see if you could get on him, you know, get him to, to sort of just sort of pass on making that bet on himself and make it ourselves. Um, but, yeah, if he wants to go year by year. I mean, Rob um, Rojacki, our site editor, if you're not familiar with Bless You Boys that much, um, he, you know, he's been saying all along, like, this is probably too late. And that's probably the case. And it was probably the same for J.D. Martinez. Like maybe, you know, kind of after 2014 when he'd kind of come out of nowhere, maybe if they'd offered him a long-term extension, then it could have worked out. But the payroll was just too big kind of to allow it at that point. Yeah. So I think had they done it in 2014, I would have thought they were insane anyway. Because, yeah. um, like, you're right. Like the, the bulk of the contracts that they were under at that point, you'd be like, are you fucking serious? You're adding more to this. Um and now, of course, in retrospect, it would have been the exact right one to sign. But what can you do? Yeah, that's the thing. When you sign a good extension, it always seems a little bit like madness. Like, it, it kind of has to, because if it's obvious, the player would already know, okay, I'm, I'm going to be worth more than this. There's no way. Yeah. Sometimes it's different with pitchers because of the, the injury risk and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, it just doesn't seem like... Uh... Doesn't seem like that's that's real likely. Um, the last thing, that, we're not going to talk a whole lot about it, but just to mention that um, Thursday is going to be the Rule 5 draft. The Tigers will pick first. Um, if they don't decide to pick up another starting pitcher, um, there's Jose Almonte and Cole Stewart, who I think was of the Pirates, who are who are both kind of, kind of fringy prospect-type guys for a while and might be someone worth picking up. And at least that way you can kind of shuttle them between the minors and the majors. Um, but there's also Nick Birdie, who I think most of us agree um, is a really hard-throwing reliever with, with great stuff who's going to be out for a good chunk of next year. Um, and if we could pick him up, you can kind of stash him for part of the season. And at some point he does have to return to the major league roster. Um, but um, that, that might be the move there. So that'll be kind of like the next thing to look forward to. As far as who the Tigers pick up, as they've, they've got the number one pick there. Um, there's a couple interesting kind of, there's like a middle infield prospect. There's a couple of good catching prospects, you know, considering that they're Rule 5 guys and have been released or, or left unprotected by their team. So it's not going to be real exciting, but with the Tigers having the number one pick, it will be kind of interesting to see who they choose. And yeah, yeah so there's that. And, you know, maybe in Kensler will get traded this week. Maybe not. Maybe Alavila will just continue to, to give endless interviews in which he kind of goes like, oh, maybe we'll do this. Yeah, maybe we won't. I don't know. <laughs> Just kind of. Don't joke about it. Uh, no, I'm so sorry. I'm I... getting flashbacks to last winter meetings, like seriously hardcore because it was the exact same thing. It was a lot of like, I'm going to talk about this, but I'm not going to really commit to anything. Right. And then nothing happened. We've got to get younger and we've got to get cheaper, but maybe we won't. <laughs> At least maybe. not right now. 
literally nothing. Yeah. And now that they are in rebuild mode, it's insane to me that they haven't made any moves yet. So get on that, Tigers. Yeah, do it, Alavila. And and really, like, I don't have such a big problem with anything he said. It's everything he says. Like, you know, when your team is garbage and you're at the beginning of a rebuild, like, no one wants to hear from you. <laughs> so just go do your job. And uh, once, once you have a big win, then you can come back to us and tell us all about this awesome thing that you did at some point. Be quiet and go fetch us some prospects. Yeah, exactly. Listen to Chris Basio and let him pick out a pitcher somewhere that he thinks he can fix. Just do what he tells you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's about it for the week. Um, I'm going, hopefully, to have a conversation with David Lorilla of Fangraphs. Um, he's down at the winter meetings right now, and I'm hoping he'll... Uh, He'll get a hold of me tomorrow, and we'll do a little recording for the site. Um, ba- you know, basically just on what he what he's heard down there, the sights, the smells, the drunken escapades at the winter meetings, um, <laughs> the enormous amount of men in polo shirts and khakis and sunglasses wandering around talking on their cell phones and bumping into each other like it's some kind of weird game of plinko. We'll discuss these these and other matters. <laughs> yeah and um so if if we get a hold of him and we get that done um that'll probably be a short recording that will show up on the site um probably thursday um that's about it for this week um pay attention to us on the site and check us out on twitter and we'll talk to you next week